Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again immediately on tonight's special Paradopes double feature. Paradopes. <laughs> yeah, we're doing all things submarine hardos. Uh, rejoined by my friend and co-host, Kevin Weinman. All right, guys, so I hope that you all listen to our The Hunt for Red October podcast, and I hope you loved it. I always think the double features work well if you listen to them back-to-back, man. Kind of connective tissue between the shows, so... Uh, we did hunt for Red October. Now we are moving on, diving on, as it were, uh, to Crimson Tide. Uh, as always, if you like the show, please take a second to leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. That means the world do a show like ours. Helps us track, get on uh, metrics and all that. Also, you can find us on any social media you're at. Give us the ideas for uh, movies you'd like to see covered, double features, monthly themes, anything like that. If you want to hear us talk about it, we want to talk about it. Also, you can see our faces on YouTube. Uh, our channel is called Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. All right, Weinman. Mm-hmm. You hit me up with two in a row that I had never seen. Mm-hmm. Hunt for Red October was the movie I feared it was, but ended up liking. Right. right? That was the movie I thought both of these would be. When I finished Crimson Tide... I was fucking ashamed of myself that I had not seen Crimson Tide yet. It is such a perfectly crafted movie for me, and I don't know how I missed it for like 20 years. So walk me through why Crimson Tide for you. Okay. Uh, So uh, going back to, and again, I encourage everybody to listen to that first podcast of Hunt for October. Listen, listen. Um, This again was another movie that uh, I really bonded with my my dad about because apparently my dad is um, a <laughs> very big fan of submarines <laughs> and, and, your dad has some yeah. kind of naval fantasy yeah, i guess so dude <laughs> and, and anyways and he uh, likes the what is that movie the last duty or the last tour with nicholson where they're like <laughs> seamen trying to get to their the last detail yeah. ask him if he likes the last detail i bet he does yeah i'd appreciate it if you didn't say my dad and semen and the same <laughs> But like I, I think one of the things that I really loved about this movie, again going back to the like the the, the whole hunt for October thing, is that you're you're compartmentalized into creating a really great atmosphere that's really intense. And again, it's a thriller. Uh, a lot of submarine movies need to be labeled as thrillers because the action is really limited. Yeah, you, you only have so much of an opportunity. So one of the things I loved about this movie is that this was like if Hunt for October was my introduction. This was like me joining the fraternity of submarine right. Like this was <laughs> this, You're a submarine guy. Yeah, now. this is <laughs> the, like the, this really dives you into it. So I think Like your father before you, now you do submarine movies. And again, this is the uh, so anybody that's actually kept up to speed about Josh and I so far This was nineteen ninety five by the correct. way. Yeah. Uh, so if you're brought up to speed about the movies that we've done so far, we've done Days of Thunder together and we've also done Top Gun. So apparently we really like Tony Scott. So what Tony Scott brings to this is that you not only have a submarine movie, but he always pulls in the framing very intensely. So this was a perfect film for him where he had these shots that were, uh, again, condensed, but he made a lot of action happen in them. And and he created a lot of really intense moments in those shots. Absolutely. Uh, And again, 
we hate Russians, so that's a great theme. <laughs> but um, uh, to, to wrap this all up, the reason why I love this is just because it is a more intense, mo- more bro- broified version of a submarine movie. Broified, interesting. Okay. In, in my opinion, this yeah, is man. like this is this is taking every single lever off of like, oh, you got to know about naval tactics. Yeah. You don't have you don't have to know a damn thing about naval Nothing. tactics. This is just about whether or not we're going to blow up the world in yeah. two guys fighting against each other. And that's what I loved about it. Right. What? Yeah. And I think that's what this movie benefits from over red October in a way is what it does. Is it brings it down to a level that every single person can just relate to. Right. When it's all on the line, you have to make a fucking choice And what choice do you make? And I think that is what this movie does. It so unbelievably well. And I'm with you. Every time they cut out of the submarine, you're like, oh, cool, the bubbles and the missing, right? Like, great. Not exciting, right? But a Tony Scott close-up of James Gandolfini sweating. Correct. Almost titillated. Correct. He's about to get to shoot someone and end the world. Yep. Has so much drama that it's unbelievable. And I think that's because Red October spends a lot of time away from the submarines, right? And they're like, they turn the submarines into pawns on a chessboard and say, all of mankind and everything we've created is just pieces in a game. And you can lose that game. What Red October does is it brings it way fucking down to a very personally small level mm-hmm. and says, you are either a person. And it's really great because what uh, the Dark Knight did this, right? And it's a concept from game theory, right? If you're a board gamer like me or whatever, you know what game theory is. And in game theory, there's something called the prisoner's dilemma, which is where your fate is inextricably in the hands of another person, right? Mm. And the easiest way to explain this to people is the Dark Knight, right? The Joker scene. There are two boats. Each boat has the detonator for a bomb that's on the other boat. Do you not press the button and hope that both boats safely arrive at the harbor? Or do you blow their fucking boat up before you do? And yeah. that in game theory is called the prisoner's dilemma. I, and that is what Crimson Tide is. To a T. But to the absolute most maximum terrifying version of that. Everyone to even dies. use the term game theory in nuclear hall, which I love that Denzel makes that clear. Because, I again, I told you, I hate military movies that kind of wash away the the awfulness, right? They, they remove the warts of what war really is. That's right. And Denzel himself, right, the leading character who we adore, says about five times, it's not nuclear war, it's nuclear, nuclear holocaust. holocaust. Yeah. Right? Because Warren bird, insinuates that one meet, of us will win. <laughs> he does that moment where he goes, our birds meet each other in the air. Yes. Boom. Yes, bitch. God yeah. damn. So that, on a principle, it's just a brilliant, and, and you do really, you're like, God damn. Like, just putting characters that are so strong yeah. in a submarine and letting the pressure cook and watching them. The action is not what they're physically doing. The action is... What does it take for you to push your ethical dilemma all the way to the breaking point? Right. And will you or won't you? Right. And I think that is what it's amazing that this movie to me is more action packed and exciting than Hunt for Red October when it really is just dudes running around a metal tube. Yeah. That is really the entire movie. It's crazy. But it feels so fucking tense. It feels like seven, where you're just like, "Oh God, it's so scary and everything's horrible." <laughs> yeah. So, so let let me give a little bit of context for the movies right. because we're gonna bounce a lot uh, back and forth from different scenes. We will, we will. So, 
uh, in essence, um, Denzel gets uh, brought on to uh, the USS Alabama along with um, Gene Hackman mm-hmm. because Gene Hackman's US uh, uh, or I'm sorry, um, a CO can't make it on. He, he's he's got he got sick, right. right? So he can't he can't go on this uh, tour. So they get Denzel. He was highly in one of my favorite moments. He was like. Hey, uh, uh, you, you came highly on the list, and he was like, "Great." He goes, "Short list." <laughs> I was like, "That's a great Gene Hackman fuck you moment." I love that you said that because this is a question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Did Gene Hackman choose Denzel? Yeah. Or was he chosen for him? Uh, the fact that he yeah, because this to imagine a guy like uh, sorry if you hear screaming in the background, that's my kids. This is not actually World War Three breaking <laughs> So imagine a world, right? Yeah. Where Gene Hackman reads the files, has all this knowledge, and chooses Denzel right. on what he thinks is going to be his opportunity to finally launch the missile. Yes. Right? Do you think he actually chose Denzel or that was told to him unless there's a no, glaringly no. obvious thing you can find? He chose he chose it because he felt like he could manipulate him because he's a pretty – think so? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I watched it and I was but, like – But I, I thought... also don't think that Gene was going into this th- thinking he was going to shoot missiles. I just think that Gene. See, knew, I feel like he fucking did, man. I, I I think that Gene went into it knowing that. What, all right, well, it's not like you and I don't agree, but I think that sure he felt like if this guy was going on yeah. uh, on this submarine with him, he was going to be able to go and convince him sure. that his way was the right way. No, and you're and you're not wrong, and yeah, I don't disagree. But the movie actually backs up that theory a little bit when he pulls Denzel into his private quarters and he's like, "Hey, man." You can disagree with me, just not in front of those fucking guys. Yeah, right. So there is this this sense that Denzel is crossing lines he didn't know that he would, and he's redrawing boundaries, right? right. What I thought, I watched it as a scene where <laughs> someone told him, hey, man, you're taking this guy. He's moving up the ladder. Right. Because Denzel on paper is just everything that Gene Hackman is against, right? Yes. And not, not for some – what I love about this movie more than anything, I will actually – I'll tell you the thing I love most is Gene Hackman is not just an irrational madman. Right. If this movie is just an irrational madman who's like, I just I try and so I can blow up the fucking world. Like, you, almost, he loses every yeah. bit of credibility Absolutely. that you want to hold him to. Yeah. If you like make this- him Nicholson in a few good men, right? Which Nicholson again has his reasons for his character. Yeah. That mindset doesn't work with Gene Hackman. This movie goes to painstaking lengths to let us know. Gene Hackman thinks he is saving the world. I can't stress enough how much I love that part right. of it because, like, Absolutely. it really makes you conflicted. In my notes that I have to you is, are you a Gene Hackman backer? Are yeah. you a Denzel backer if you're on the sub? Right. Well, again, that's why I think – And by the way – That's why I let, think Gene let, Hackman would not choose him. Let me finish this out. So he goes – they're both on the submarine, mm-hmm. and then at one point they get – uh, a message saying that yeah. they're fueling missiles. There's, there's, there's Go a guy. Yeah, there's a guy that has taken over uh, Russia that effectively is going to fire missiles as yeah. soon as they're locked and loaded. They get a, a notification. They're fueling them. Mm-hmm. Then a notification comes back while they're being attacked. It gets cut off. Yes. Effectively, they know that something's <laughs> happened, but they don't know what's happened. Oh. So Denzel's much more on the realm of. I don't want nuclear holocaust. I don't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Gene's like, they're going to blow up the United States of America. I'm patriotic. Fuck you. We're going to fire. 
And who uh, could blame uh, him? Uh, again, who could both, blame him? <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so, so me being the passive liberal yeah. tree hugging guy that I was when I was a kid, and I still am. I looked at it where I was like, Denzel's right a thousand percent of the way. But like being an adult now, like I go, I get where he is very passionate. Where he's like, people that I care about might be dying right now because I didn't make this yeah. decision, right? Yeah, for and, sure. and, and and so just to give more context to what we're about to talk about, you're gonna see that there's a given there's a give and take with yeah. a lot of these characters about not only do I care about my cause, but the world's. What happens in the world is predicated on my decision, and anyone that backs me is going to feel that same way. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. If you take this movie from young guy who knows everything fights delusional madman, it's not interesting, right? The fact, even at the end of the movie, right? The tribunal says you were both wrong and you were both fucking right. Yep, that's what makes this movie interesting because, again, this gets back a little bit. It's another philosophy. I read a lot of philosophy, even though I'm too dumb to understand it, right? I like to expand my mind into things I can't understand. So you're like, eh, if I gain like 0.5%, that's better, right? <laughs> that's better than reading another Star Wars novel, right. which is where the age I'm at. And this is called, uh, it's the cave delusion, right? So three men are locked in a cave. And the only connection they have to an outside world are shadows they see from sunlight casting shadows into their cave. So they can see like, rah! giant fucking shadows right and they assume there are monsters out there eventually they are freed from their shackles and they can go outside of the cave and they see oh it's just a world of like normal shit but they get scared and think it's a lie right because it's not the world they've always known which is you know has the protective boundary of the shadow on the wall so they run back into the cave and choose to watch shadows on the wall rather than partake in this real world where everything's unknown and i think this movie does it so well which is the movie never stops and says, if you're a fucking anti-violence pacifist liberal, right? Or you're the craziest America first, we're going to fuck everyone up in war, you know, guy, you're wrong. Because this is, I mean, this what Denzel says that I think, I side with Denzel too, right? Which is, he said, has that amazing, this movie's full of amazing lines. But the line at the end which he, where Gene Hackman just looks at him and he goes, God help you if you're wrong. Right. And Denzel looks back at me. He's like, God help if me. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, we're at war. And God, God help, help us all. all. Yeah. And I just, I literally just got chills. Cause I was like, oh it's my fucking. It's such a great yeah. moment. And it, like, it gets you back to this theory, right? Of that, if you, An eye for an eye leaves the world blind, right? Like yeah. if Russia did that to us and they blew right. up everything. Yeah. Is there really a lot of value to us to just fucking blow them off the map and kill a bunch of their Because that's what you... And this movie gets back to, and it has what I love, which is the title card at the Star Wars, right? The three most powerful men in the world, right? America's leader, Russian leader. I've got that in my yeah, top right? note. Yeah. Commander of a U.S. And I'm like, is that fucking so- true? I don't know if it's true, but this movie makes you think it is. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. In like, that moment, totally I was like, buy- oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> I totally bought it. I was, I was like, like, not the vice holy president? shit. I don't know. I was like, I believe Jane Hackman's the third strongest man in the world for sure. But that's what... That's what is fucking crazy. This movie really gives you, in a movie like this, right, a taut fucking, I get, and this thing, I wouldn't even call this an action movie, right? To me, this is a fucking, like, ethical thriller, right? Yeah. I don't even know if that's a genre. It reminds me of, like, this movie reminds me more of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross than how Hunt for not- Red October. Wait, I was about to say, how is this not Hunt for October? This is an ethical dilemma. Right. With- People at high positions making decisions on whether or not they should go and blow up right. the world. But again, this is people up here deciding what us lowly. That's like kind of the sure. thing about, right? 
the the rich old men decide which poor soldiers will die. This movie's not like that. This says, "Hey man, we are in our own world. That sub is a microcosm of the planet Earth, right? And we will decide based on the totality of our experience of of humanity, right? What we will what world we will live in future." And they let people have an organic actually believable reaction to the enormity of the thought that oh my god the russians are fueling rockets right and you are left with how many fucking times a year does this exact thing happen where oh my god 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 and you just pray there's a guy who can stop and think about it man and again not in a way that makes gene hackman the bad guy right right not until the end of the movie do you know who's right or wrong. Yeah. Uh, with the way that this movie delivers, you know yeah. that you're going to end up trying to side with Enzel because he's, sure. he, you're, you open on his right. daughter's birthday and there's you're trying yeah. they're trying to connect you with Enzel. But there's also uh, – th- that's what's exciting is that as soon as they get down to it, you know that there's an ethical dilemma yeah. and that you can absolutely look at the side of Gene Hackman and go, Ooh, like, I don't know, man, you should probably fire those rockets. Sure. Um, but this is why this movie is so brilliant and it actually could not work without that exact setup because this is a movie. And I would argue red October, very similar. I knew every single thing that was going to happen before it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that Denzel's going to fight the captain. You know, they're not launching nukes. You know there won't be nuclear war. Right. You know Denzel will be right. Okay? Titanic's like that. I know it's going to hit that fucking iceberg and a lot of people are going to die and some people are going to fucking float away. In a movie where there's no confusion as to what will actually physically happen, the amount of tension and suspense that they build predicated simply on here are two completely rational decisions. All right. And you fucking decide. It was honestly breathtaking to me watching. I was so jealous of this script as I watched the movie. You're like, fuck, if only I could write something that good. Because, again, I love any movie that says there aren't bad guys. There are humans. Right? And in any given circumstance, we could be the good or bad guy based on our fucking predetermined bullshit. It's great. This movie has no fucking drama in the whole movie. Imagine this. Is there one thing that happened in that movie? You're like, well, that was confusing. No. Like at one point, they stop, and they're like, oh, they're shooting rockets at us. I'm like, yeah, I bet they're going to blow Denzel up 40 minutes into the movie. I bet that's something that'll happen. Of course it won't. No. But that is then used as Denzel can now present us with a new fucking ethical dilemma based on what just happened. Because Denzel saved the ship, but we lost steering. Well, we're sinking, so that's Denzel's fault. Now it's believable that we're having a dilemma. The part that you just brought up was mm-hmm. the writing for this. So, uh, just to let the listeners know, uh, Quentin Tarantino was an uncredited writer. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Tarantino and Tony Scott had worked together, obviously, years Mm -hmm. earlier in True Romance. He really believed that what he had to write was important and it was going to bring context. Um, Also, side note, Denzel confronted Tarantino on the set because... (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tarantino tends to write pretty... uh, um, incendiary yeah. uh, literature about race. Yeah. And so there's a couple. He goes there. He goes there. Yeah. So, so he, um, <laughs> there was a, uh, he, 
Tarantino had requested that their argument be privately recorded. Denzel did not give a shit and said no. So Denzel let people know that they hashed it out and everything's fine. And as a matter of fact, Denzel Washington's daughter, I think, uh, was in the Django Unchained movie. So like she, right. she's she's actually so they're they're fine. Point being though is that the, when you have a guy like Tarantino anywhere near the literature of your film and your film is a thriller on a submarine, there's going to be a lot of really great dialogue. Yeah. And that's what I felt was so great about this movie is that when they pulled each other into rooms, Mm. they weren't just trying to convince that person in the scene. Right. They were convincing you. Yeah. Like there's a moment in this movie where all of the, all of the people that are very passionate about Gene Hackman, pull Viggo Mortensen into a room right, to convince absolutely. him that they are right and Gene is right and that you should be on our side. And that dialogue makes you think it's like, God, that's absolutely yep. like what we should be doing right now. Right. And it's very few and far between <laughs> movies where you're like the bad guy, the quote unquote bad guy in the movie could be right. In that mm-hmm. moment, you're like, yeah, man, fueling missiles is, 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 is they're, they're going to kill our families. They're going to blow mm-hmm. up our country. Like, that Denzel's the one that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's when you say Denzel's wrong, you know your movie's got a lot of conflict right. in it. When you say Denzel is the limp dick liberal, that's how you know, man, this is a strong cast. But that's no, what you hit on is actually it's it's one of the great fucking techniques of this movie. Because imagine, right? Just as human beings, they have conversation with her. The physical act of, hey, can you come over here so other people can't hear? You are intentionally, right? And whether, maybe not intentionally, but you are absolutely admitting that you do not have conviction in what you're saying. You do not have absolute conviction. And this movie exists completely in that gray area. And that's what makes it work. The moment this movie or the filmmaker takes a pro or anti-war stance, it no longer works. Right, because I think you could argue that the movie takes an anti-war stance by the fact that they're telling the movie where the sub doesn't launch the nukes. But I think it's also presenting in an un in an unstereotypical way Gene Hackman's side. You start this movie off and you're like, I would fucking do anything for Gene when he walks up. Right, there's this is the scene I fucking adore. Right. And to get your Tarantino thing, there is a lot of, like, race stuff bubbling. A lot. But what they did is they put it in the sub. Like, Gandolfini, like, hey, get that big guy to do push-ups and this and that. You just get the, like. Is he going to fit on the sub? Yeah, something else extra is going on. He's extra mad about it, but we don't have to do it. And they do that a couple times, right? Like, when the young black officer sees Denzel and he just looks at him with absolute pride, you're like, you can read more into that for sure. But what they do, the moment that, like, solidifies Gene Hackman is, like, Literally this is the- no longer, like, a war-crazy stereotype. Right. When he walks in, and they're all standing in the rain, and he walks in with this little tiny fucking dog, right? And he's like, I'm fucking bringing a dog on a sub. That's how badass I am. I'm the, I'm the fucking cigar-smoking little tiny dog I bring wishbone on this thing. Yeah, fuck yeah. By the way, his dog has the same name as my dog, Bear. But his dog is very little. My dog is fucking enormous, right? Which I loved. And that's how they also were totally like, hey, he's not a bad warmonger. 
He's a dog person, right? He's not a. If he was a cat person, you'd be like, "Fuck Gene." They Hackman. humanized the <laughs> villain quickly in this movie. Yeah. That's why I loved it. If Gene Hackman had a cat on a leash, you're like, "Of course this guy's Fuck wrong." Fuck him. Yeah, of course he's wrong. Ugh. But what an asshole. It's so the way he talks to those men. He legitimately cares about the men. He legitimately cares about his country and the mission and the navy, right? right? And that's so important in that scene because you see these guys laughing like running onto the sub later you see the different the divergence between him and denzel is like he's more willing to when denzel's like hey man i think these guys are fraying he's like fuck them i will break if they need to if they're gonna break they should be broken and get out of the way but that's not where they start right and that's really important to the gene hackman care i feel like they don't take because so many movies like this i think fall on the I'm just a bad guy who wants to fucking start shit. And that's really not who Gene Hackman ever is. Le, but, but, uh, there's, there's, God, the side characters play so much in this, though. Like, the side characters this, are honestly, so Honestly, if you told me this was a top ten greatest cast of all time in a movie, right. I'd be like, yeah, maybe. Uh, fucking Ryan Phillippe's like a radio extra. Ryan Phillippe's first major motion picture to, film. By the way, if you're a Sopranos fan, Matt Bevilacqua, right? That's the guy who saves the entire world is Matthew Bevilacqua, right? Ryan Phillippe is an extra uh, to him. All right, all right. <laughs> so for the two people that watch this on YouTube, I have in my notes. <laughs> uh, two million. I, I, I go, Vossler saves the world. Yeah. Vossler Literally, if he doesn't get the radio back on, we're just firing nukes. And Vossler Belavacqua is the dude. You know what I love about this, too, is that this movie was so ahead of its time where it's like, you can imagine that someone saw Clerks and they're like, we got to do a rewrite where we put some fucking pop culture in. Because how does Denzel reach the two men that saved the world, right? As he's like, Uh, I can't believe we're Let's have a Silver Surfer reference. can, can, Can we jump here? We can Real jump quick? wherever the fuck we want, dude. All right, all we right, are captains so, of our own ship. So let let me. If we were if we were the two captains, would you be Denzel or would Hackman? Who would I be? Can we take it down a notch? Because, I think I'm like, a Hackman. Listen, that <laughs> you literally just served us the entree. We're still on the appetizer. Right. Like I'm uh, fine to nibble. Let's uh, nibble. Uh, all I, I so this I wrote very important. I go <laughs> who won the Silver Surfer battle? In your opinion, yeah. Kirby Silver Surfer is it better than Mobius? Let me put it this way. If this is what decided the fate of the world, yeah. we would have had nuclear Armageddon. Oh, no. And I'm not saying Denzel's wrong, but to dismiss out of hand Mobius's contributions to the Silver Surfer is such a fucking 90s thing to do. Interesting. It's grotesque. But then he saves himself by he reaches out. By the way, if I didn't believe for a second that Mac Bevelock was like, Hey, yee, I watch Star Trek. Hey, yo, of course I watch Star Trek every week, yo. Right? Like, that guy's not watching Star Trek and understanding who Scotty and Captain Kirk are. Hey, yo, yeah. hey. I was like, this shit works my old family on a weekly basis on, this, uh, <laughs> on these uh, shows. I also hate the Romulans, hey, right? Like, the Andrew Dice Clay who loves Star Trek didn't work for me. Okay. But I love the fact that Denzel's like this, hey, man, I'm just cool with everyone. Right? Like, he can do... The fact... I just love the idea that some executive didn't be like, what the fuck is a Mobius? <laughs> like, the fact that that made it into the script is and, so ahead of its and time let, and amazing. Be, let's be honest. That's probably where Denzel, or uh, not uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino probably had a little bit I'm of say. I'm interested if it was him. Because this, this is an honest question to you, right? I run a comic book podcast. 
And as you can see, Long maybe by the session. shelf over here, I'm like yeah. super comic book nerd. Did you have any fucking idea what they were talking about anytime you watch this? Unfortunately, the first time I watched it, no. Yeah, right? Because I'm a kid. <laughs> and even while I was growing up, I had to go and search on the interwebs yeah. to understand what that meant. You had to so, dial up who the fuck Mobius the, was. The thing that I appreciated about the the, 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 the what I found out later yeah. was that Kirby, the people that are diehard Kirby, it's like, this is the origin as opposed to a new story. Right. And Mobius was yeah. just trying to... Uh, well, what uh, is wrong with it? those people is that they're like, Kirby made it so he's the only one that can do it. And if you read comic books, you know the whole genesis is to make something so great that other people want to partake. I think it was Paul Schrader, right? Famous fucking screenwriter. Who said, screenwriting or scripts are not art. They're invitations for other artists to come collaborate on art. Right? That's what Because screenplay is the lowest form of writing. Because you're just writing so that other artists can come put their... Like, you don't write a screenplay and say, hey, uh, in Touch of Evil, I'm going to tell you every fucking crane movement, right? You yeah. don't do that. In this movie, you don't tell Tony Scott or whoever how to direct a movie. Right. You just let them fucking do it, right? Right. And so that's how I look at the Silver Surfer debate. I know people watching this might actually want to hear my opinions on this. I, I do want... I mean, I wrote that down as one of my it biggest It struck notes. me, though, is, again, it was another slap in the face to me because it's... How the fuck did I not see this movie until 2020? Like, it made me fucking fear. You're like, the world could end in, like, eight months, and I might not ever have seen Crimson Tide unless you chose to watch it. That so let, made me depressed. Let me help you out with something real quick. <laughs> and this is a complete aside, but listen, the reason why this moment resonates with me is, again, I go back to the fact that I watch this a lot. Danny Nucci is the guy that plays the role of Nevetti, the right. guy that is he's trying to talk right. off the ledge. That guy at that moment, when I first saw this movie, I thought he was going to be the next big thing because his really. He, I, I, I'll explain why. <laughs> I'll explain why. Danny Nucci. Let, here, here's here's the progression okay. of movies. So tell me whether or not number one, whether or not you know the movie, whether or not you like it. Sure. Danny Nucci was in Alive. I fucking love Alive. Then yes. He, then he was in Crimson Tide. Okay, I love Crimson Tide. Then he was in Titanic. Eh. And then he was in Eraser. <laughs> Eraser? Oh, he's back up. I love Eraser. I, I love Eraser. Yeah. If you took a poll of like top 1% of people that love Eraser, <laughs> it's me and my brother. We love Eraser. So, I, I love that shit. So Arnold I, in like hard sci-fi, like high concept. D Danny Nucci has not been hard pressed for roles, but ever since sure. then, he's been on every single NCIS, CSI <laughs> Uh, SVU show that you can imagine. And I looked this up because like he was an important person in my life during this movie. I was like, why isn't Danny Nucci more like, why is not he not accredited right. as being a number one player? Yeah. There's a reason he's a side character. Yeah. You're like, no one wants to actually know the difference between Kirby and Mobius. No. They just want to talk to Denzel Washington. Exactly. Yeah. That's the fucking giant difference. Yeah. In the sand. So, so, so I, <laughs> I love myself some Danny Nucci, if you guys are wondering. I think he's a great uh, actor. Dude, but by the way, this movie, here are extras in this movie. Ryan Phillippe and, like, backing up Mech, Matt The Bevel very first movie he's ever yeah. done. Fucking Steve Zahn, right, who went on for, like, Saving Silverman fame and, like, a ton of great roles. And he got just shot called in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just there. Yep. Right? Viggo Mortensen, Gandolfini, Gene Hackman, uh, fucking, I'm going to forget something, right? It's just yeah. going to happen. You know the guy who I think is the secret stud of the movie? 
Because the massively overweight $5 haircut commander of the boat. Chief of the watch, is that what they call George it? George Zunga. I'm so glad. You know, we live in a world with George Zungas. Like, that's just, there are just guys, and I talked about this earlier. There are some guys, like, you watched Denzel in this movie. And what I really love about this movie is it has this great subtext of, this is Gene Hackman, arguably the best actor of his generation, right? Like, I think it's like him and Nicholson are, like, neck and neck. Yeah. But Gene Hackman's better than every man, and Nicholson has that little extra character thing, right? I think it's, like, the difference between, like, a Brad Pitt and, like, Leo, right? Like, Leo can go that extra weirdness without Brad, losing a Brad, Brad's just consistent. Yeah. Brad's just there. Like, Tom Cruise the same way. Like, he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. And then Magnolia. And then I think a that's bunch a great of Tom analogy. Cruise, right? Yeah. But Gene Hagman is arguably the best actor of his generation. Yep. And he literally is just going toe-to-toe with the best, best actor. actor of his generation. And to me, if you would argue that Denzel is not the best actor of his generation, you are so wrong. Like, to me, it's – and I love Tom Hanks, right? And that's the only guy who would even get close. But to me, it's not even a race. It's not – because you could say Daniel Day-Lewis came, like, a little bit after, you know, Denzel staked his flag. But you're like, he's doing different movies than, like, I am the fucking king shit of Movie Star Mountain. And this is a fascinating thing I was going to tell you. I watched this documentary called They've Gotta Have Us. And it's a documentary on Netflix, right? It's three episodes. You should watch this. It's really fascinating. I love watching documentaries about the process of making movies, right? But the whole documentary is kind of about the history of African-Americans in Hollywood and, you know, how uh, the struggle to get roles and certain movies that got made that changed everything. Um, Side note, they have a really funny bit where they have Jesse Smollett or Smollier. Uh, And he's like, I understand how hard it was for Sydney and the doors he opened for me. And you're like, whoops, should have edited that shit out. (laughs) right but they had this amazing moment they talk about denzel right so denzel did malcolm x yeah and immediately people like look at this motherfucker like this guy can act that movie's if you've never seen malcolm x it is like it's one of those things that if thor shot you with the lightning from his hammer that's malcolm x right you just watch you're like holy shit let's give him he was established before that that was his rocket that that was the moment though where you're like because glory glory was really where yeah that that was like the oh this guy can really act act and And then then, when he did malcolm Malcolm, you're like oh he can act in the lead yeah like holy shit but people still thought oh he can only do malcolm because that's a black movie right and some of these people, and they've got to have us, they talked about, they they lumped all stories with black people into black cinema, right? So whether it was Amistad or Boys in the Hood, those were the same movies to Hollywood. Yeah. And they talked about this, you know, once Boys in the Hood and Juice and all these movies hit, they only wanted black people to read for, like, you know, tough guy gangster roles, right? South Central roles or whatever they called them in the documentary. There's a great moment in it, though, and it's such a great nugget that I never heard before. But apparently Denzel Washington went to his agent right around this time, right? Right after Malcolm X. And he said, hey, man, send me every script that Harrison Ford turns down. Right? And right after this, you've got, like, much to do about nothing, Philadelphia, Crimson Tide. And you're like, when you look at it through that vein, where he's like, don't cast me as the black guy. Cast me as the exact same thing as Harrison Ford, the insanely charismatic leading man who has such power emanating from my port. When you look at his career in that phase of the 90s through the what if Harrison Ford had said yes phase, like imagine this movie or Philadelphia with Harrison Ford and said, and you're like, oh, fuck, I can see that. Imagine Witness 
with Denzel White. You're like, oh, fuck, I can see that. And that I, when I heard that in that documentary, it fucking blew my mind. I never heard that before. But this movie, of all the movies in that era, <laughs> this is the movie that feels like a perfect Harrison Ford vehicle that Denzel – I'm so glad we got Denzel doing it, though. So let me throw this out. Yeah, man. There, uh, I've got it on my phone right now, but uh, the role of Gene Hackman was incredibly important in terms of who the, the most other, important role in the movie. It was a very important in terms of who the other person was. I feel yeah. like when they were casting it, Denzel was mm-hmm. a, a definitely a front runner. But in your opinion, mm-hmm. and I know I'm pulling on this a little bit early, if you had someone else play Gene Hackman's role, mm-hmm. who else do you think was up for it? In that phase, honestly, no one, man. Like okay. Gene Hackman to me is in like Mount Rushmore of it's like him and Cary Grant. Like I have a couple, maybe Nicholson, but you're like those guys are unassailable. So because <laughs> so, Gene so, Hackman, and especially because what I love about this is instead of being the guy that looks like a villain, right, the maniacal fucking sub captain, Gene Hackman is the absolute best. He looks like someone you would know actor. And not only that, Absolutely somebody nice. that you worked for, somebody you've right. uh, uh, respected, mm-hmm. someone you've appreciated. Yeah. Like, like this feels like it could have been like a De Niro role, right? Uh, so but this, the, Gene Hackman's better. The two people, Warren Beatty. No. Al Pacino. Pacino. I almost said Pacino, but I was like, he's so bombastic. It's like, why launch nukes when you have a fucking Al Pacino delivery? So <laughs> so, so here's, here's the world. Here's the world in a mirror world. <laughs> Yeah, like that makes I, me laugh. I love that. No, no. Uh, think of it this way. All right. Um, so there was a moment when if Pacino accepts yeah. this role, the guy in the other role, do you know who? The, the, there was it was predicated. Mm. If Pacino took that role, there was another guy for Denzel's. I imagine. Oh my god. I mean, the think long about, shot is like Marky Mark. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> think is it th- Edward Norton. No, 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 this no, is no. before Edward Norton. It's had his Brad. Role. It's Brad Pitt. What the fuck? Brad Pitt is the Denzel role. That's exactly what was going to happen because Brad Pitt had always wanted to work with uh, Al Pacino. So this was almost a Pacino, Pitt scenario. And FYI, so much better that there's not only it, it's not only Hackman <laughs> and Denzel. But for me, I feel like the racial tension is actually palpable. Like it's that's very important. important. Yeah, because this is the thing. They again, I'm sure whatever Tarantino wrote was probably a little more on the nose. Uh, I mean, but, As but, but, tends, but, like I saw Hateful Eight, and I was like, I don't need an extended cut. I don't need 200 more n words. Let me throw this out there: <laughs> like, the Lipis, uh, Lipisoner stallions that they talk right. about. There is an underbelly right. of racism. They don't start white. Yeah, man. And, and just, he talks about how they can follow any order with the yeah, but this and, and just in a heads up, both of them are wrong. That horse is <laughs> that horse is Slovenian. <laughs> that mattered to me. I'm glad you brought that up. That's wildly important. <laughs> is, they're both wrong. What this movie was right. I was like, God, imagine. And I mean, honestly, I'm gonna have nightmares about Brad Pitt and Al Pacino's version of this movie for a long time. Yeah. But imagine a world, right? This is kind of like, imagine if Ingmar Bergman, when he did The Seventh Seal, just had the two greatest actors 
right? Of this generation and the next. And that's what this movie was to me, right? Like, I, I know Seven Seals kind of a weird one, and it's a little art house, and like, yes, they're playing chess with death and whatever. I believe it's Max von Sydow. But oh, this movie so to me, though. right? I love that movie. Max is great. Everyone who goes to film school, I think you secretly have to like that movie or else it's like, why the fuck are you in film? If you're not down to, like, support the films we need to, like, be a vanguard for, what are you doing? You should have at least watched one <laughs> Max movie, Max, Max Van Sydow. Sydow's amazing. Bergman's amazing. But this is this is what Red October was to me, right? So this is an action thriller. But to me, it was Bergman. To me, it was fucking David Mamet. It's just guys sitting there. And having a battle of wits, yep. right? Arguing yep. about anything so that they can get the upper hand. The thing that I was really taken aback about when I watched this again for the 50th fucking time <laughs> was that I, I like I, I remember there being a lot of back and forth between a Russian sub mm-hmm. that happened in the middle. Yeah, there was no sub after that. It was all. If you ask me straight up, I don't even remember seeing the sub. Uh, so, like, uh, I I know they got shot at, and Denzel had to deploy bubbles. Uh, That's it. That's all I remember about the sub. It's it's it, it's because <laughs> so they were sinking. <laughs> there was only four of them that had departed that were actually taken over by mm-hmm. the rebels, yeah. and that was one of them. And I love that moment. That moment was obviously very important because you're not only oh God so deep. You're not only crediting the moment of Denzel being the leader, mm-hmm. but you're also understanding what happens when it comes to the people involved in this moment deciding whether or not they think he is a good leader. Yeah. Because he's immediately thrown in a scenario where he has to start making judgment calls mm-hmm. that affects hundreds of people's lives on that Absolutely. submarine. And that's what's so exciting about that moment. So you walk away, they blew up. The, first off, they. Blew up the other submarine. Great. But they almost got to whole crushing depth with it's like 18, I don't know, 100 yeah. meters, feet, whatever right. the hell it is. Like, and then it, if it wasn't for the fact that they killed some of their own people to shut it off it, it, yes, and, and to get the submarine back yeah. up, it, it, it was like, so th- the reason why I'm saying this is because Denzel could be seen as a hero. Or the villain right. to his entire team in that moment, which and is that's, so exciting. That's the moment is when Denzel has to say, "Close the hatch." And the chief of the watch, who, by the way, I you're like, as soon as the movie starts, you're like, this guy is parasitically human centipede leech to Gene Hackman's asshole. Right? He'll do whatever he says. Yeah, George, George. Zunga. You're like, there's uh, no uh, fucking way this guy has the oomph. Let me to inter- fucking. I, I, I disagree. Want... When he tells Gene Hackman, I he's right. That fucking crushed me. But this is what's yep. so brilliant. So he takes command. He does an amazing maneuver, right? He wins the fucking fight that Gene Hackman lost moments ago. But he immediately has to become Gene Hackman. Yep. And sentence people to die. Yep. And just the fact that the lights went off, right? This is the all-time best Twilight Zone episode. I think it's called uh, Mabel Street. God damn it. I'm so sorry. I'm really bad with names. But essentially, the, the the thesis of this Twilight, Heath Benfield will be watching, and he'll be mad at me for forgetting this, right? But I believe it's called The Monsters on Maple Street. So essentially, the theory is, is that the lights go out, and people start wondering, what's going on? What's going on? 
and start imagining that everyone else is a evil person that's trying to get them and all hell breaks loose before the lights just go on you cut out to outer space and some aliens like see how fucking stupid and scared they are right it's one of the all-time best twilight zones and that's what this movie does denzel did everything right by the book he won the fight as the russian sub was dying it launched one more attack that didn't get them right but caused some trauma and he had to sentence three to five men to their deaths yep and that's just enough that moment in the dark where another sailor has died, and that sailor could be fucking me. Yep. That means the whole movie. Because then all of a sudden you're like, of course. We all want to think we're these high-minded Denzels. But most of us are probably the guy, hey, man, I don't want to get sealed below deck. Right? Like, so the the greater battle of what happens, who launches missiles first, you're like, dude, this is my fucking job. And I want to get home so I can be at my fucking daughter's birthday party. The movie operating at both, you know, the kind of great philosophical question and the, hey, man, these are just dudes, is so fucking perfect. They, they really strike a perfect balance of everything in this movie. But uh, I love that moment. And per- when he turns on Gene Hackman, right? When Zunga turns on him. Yeah, but hold that's on. That's like a top five best moment in the movie to me. Hold on. Okay. Was I pontificating? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think you're belittling a moment that literally happens ten minutes later. I don't want to belittle anything in this movie. I love it. Tell me. Denzel turning to George, and Denzel going, "Thank oh. you, thank you, yes, for for obviously doing the right thing." Yeah. And and George goes, "Thank you, fuck you." Oh, <laughs> is that not the best? There's another line I remember being so like, good. "That's a weird delivery, right?" Yeah. But he that's goes, the best line in the movie. Because this he is goes, the guy who's just, I'm doing my fuck. You think you're doing your job, but you're like having a power. I'm doing my fucking job. Yep. That guy was my best friend, and I chose against him because that's what's right. Fuck you. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. That is that and is it, my favorite line and, in the and whole Denzel, movie. Denzel goes to him and goes, still, thank you. I was yeah. like, oh! <laughs> Denzel's like, I'm going to take your righteous indignation and take it for myself. <laughs> Because later they're all put in the officers' mess together. Mm, right? That's right. That's right. They're they're all they're all in there together. And George going against it, every you know everything that he's known. And on the flip side, one of my favorite actors of all time, yes, Viggo Mortensen. In that moment where he, they go and talk to him about the fact that he needs to be, he's the cog. Mm-hmm. In them doing what they need to do. Right. <laughs> the guy it, that we saw at Denzel's daughter's birthday party. So he agrees to it. He agrees to it. They put him in the barracks. Mm-hmm. They put him in the officer's mess. And then there's that moment where Denzel has two seconds with the weird phone that goes. And then he fucking picks up the phone. And he fucking, which is a ringtone. It's a ringtone that no one's. Uh, I'm going to get that as my ringtone starting tomorrow. And, then, and he fucking picks it up. And literally within a 30-second conversation, he reminds Weps, Viggo Mortensen's character, yeah, man. about what how important it is for him to not rush to conclusions on this. Yeah. Again, throwing in the idea of nuclear holocaust, uh, the idea that this decision is way more than just protecting America. And, and Denzel's character does such a great job in that moment. And, and, and again, I go back to Viggo. Viggo Mortensen's so good in this movie, but he literally doesn't play off of anybody in that entire film. He, By the he, way, 
just to interrupt you. Yeah. How did we not think of Vigo Mortensen as replacing Sean Connery if we recast Hunt for Red October? He's perfect. Cause I Can you said imagine that he's so fucking good? He just gets lost in like, oh, he's one of the other actors. That's how good this cast is. Eastern Promises needs to be remembered as one of the better films yeah. of definitely the last one of the years. best dog swinging movies of all time. Imagine though, this is a scene that will haunt me for the rest of my life. Oh, I'm excited about this. Vigo Mortensen smoking a cigarette and staring at that fucking combination lock. Do you get the fucking weapon out? He knows he can shut down all that his friend and the captain are fighting. He's loyal to both. That's he what I love actually so much about understands both points of views. And weirdly, right? The title card says three most important people, president, Russian president, captain of the nuke, whatever. What this movie tells us is that constantly a lower man on the pole is actually equally as important. How many people if, 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 were if, involved in stopping nuclear holocaust? He's one of them. If it hadn't been that moment where fucking Gene Hackman, oh, again, oh, I, I'm dude. sorry. That, that moment where he pulls him aside and he pulls the gun to him, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Fuck!" And he oh. goes, "I can't shoot you. You're the only one that knows the combination." Max, it's like and, he already bitched out. You think he's gonna shoot this? And then he grabs. He goes, "But Officer Pierre here," <laughs> and fucking puts the gun to his head. <laughs> oh, like. Like that moment resonates so much with me because it's like so good. he knows that to get to Vigo's scenario isn't about killing Vigo. Like yeah, he already man. made his decision, but he pulls this other guy and he goes, he goes, <laughs> oh, but I that's the I'm crazy sorry, thing that is that moment. fuck it. Oh God. Yeah. That moment gives me goosebumps because what I love too, is that again, everything on this movie, everything in this movie has to operate at more than one layer. Because again, like you said, when they cut out of the submarine or there's any action, the movie becomes wildly forgettable and boring. But this is a moment where they here's never a guy. Out. Yeah, like they cut out for like, oh, launch the bubbles. And like, that's like a minute. And they're like, no, we're back into this. So here's a guy who's like my best friend, right? Or a guy that I serve multiple times with. And I know he's a good dude. And I was at his daughter's party. And I know for a fact he's not just going to fuck us, right? Like he's not just trying to fuck up our whole careers. Yeah. Right? And then he says, but here's also this captain who I really trust. And Gene Hackman is a completely believable captain that you would want to fight for. And he just is staring at that fucking gun mechanism. But here's what is so brilliant about that moment. He knows, he knows that Denzel is right. Right? No matter what happens, it's going to be a bad outcome if they fire. Either the Russians have fired and we're fucked. Or we're going to fire and we're fucked. Right? I guess the argument is maybe we blow them up first. But if you're wrong... Your kid is going to be dead. Your children and family are dead. So he knows. He knows for a fact Denzel's right. He's made his choice. I'll smoke my cigarette. He knows Gene Hackman is not going to fucking blow that private away. Right. If Gene Hackman shoots that private, he loses everyone who's behind him. <laughs> he loses the whole ship. He's not getting the codes because he can't fucking take them. So you by think that Vigo ends up giving it to him because he's still battling? Well, I think Vigo is the guy who's like, I'm not willing to make the call. I'm not going to be the guy in the history books that this guy I, didn't give the, the, the timer over. I, I do not mean to pivot, but sure. this is, was pivot, an, pivot away. this was a very important question that I had yeah. to ask you. Do you like Gene Hackman's coaching tactics when he says when there's a fire in the galley and he all of a sudden yes. ran yes. Yes. that yes. moment? Yes. Okay. 
I this is what I love too is that movie is played as Denzel's out jogging right fire breaks out ah we gotta stop the fire no do the fucking drill and a guy ends up dying I agree completely with Viggo Mortensen that guy didn't die because of the drill I also don't completely agree with Gene Hackman it's like well if he wasn't a fat fuck he would have lived right like that was a little cruel you didn't have to throw that line in but I agree with Gene Hackman is that when things are their absolute worst, you have to be ready to wait, wait, wait. fucking take the test. You don't make decisions when things are all hunky-dory, as he says. Yeah. Yeah. But that's – this is what the movie does so well is that, again, they never paint a character in a corner. No. Both sides of the argument are equally valid. Correct. Right? Is a fire in the galley an absolutely huge, enormously life-threatening problem? Yes. Is it also true that when the Russians attack, you can't be like, hey, time out, man. Uh, we were peeling mashed potatoes. We need a break. No. So, yeah, th- this is – and that's the thing. If you tilt that fucking scale one way or another and let one guy become the bad guy, this movie does not work. So let me give you a two-second rendition of, of, Take of all my the seconds you need. Let's go. Uh, when it comes to that moment – Yeah. When I was when when I was growing up, I said, "Wow, Denzel's right." I yeah. watched this yesterday, and I go, "Gene Hackman's right." Like, yes, I, I, yes, because, because as an adult, I go, <laughs> "You can't create a scenario that is all hunky dory for everybody. You have to be able to go and a uh, like inc- you have to react in a smart way for everyone." Yes. So that we are well equipped in our minds to deal with it. Yeah. And the 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 thing that I understand where Denzel came, uh, like he came correct, is that it could have flamed up. We could have had more issues. But in my head, I'm like, I've seen enough war movies where it's yeah. like everything goes wrong. I've yeah. seen Saving Private Ryan. Everything goes wrong. Yes. Like, and you have a job where you're in charge of people. Yeah. And you're like, it's easy to be good at the bare minimums you're responsible for. But right. as and again, I don't have a job. I run a YouTube channel, and I just make content, and people call me a fat homosexual on the internet. That's my uh, job, uh, right? Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you call whatever the yeah. fuck you want as long as you're watching, bitch. You're good at so it. I'm like, that's good, right? You call whatever the fuck you want, just watch, right? But people who have jobs where things are actually on the line. Yeah. The thought that in war you could ever have – and this is what is great about this movie. Denzel is – the embodiment of the young philosophical argument of this is what an ideal world should be. And Gene Hackman is portrayed as that's great in the books. This is what the world is and not in a horrible way that makes him the bad guy we should hate and despise. But Hey man, we've all had a job where it all goes really wrong. And it's like, bitch, I hope you can keep up. Right. Cause that's who we all want. Right. Like I used to work in Hollywood on sets and this and that. And someone told me once, they're like, there are a bunch of you that can do this job. I need to know who I can spend 80 hours a week with and not want to kill them. Right? <laughs> and there, there is a bit of that in this, which is our job is going to get hard and terrible, and we'll, we'll plan for the best, but the, the worst is going to happen. Who can adjust? I think Gene Hackman's completely right. And if you want to ask my honest opinion, I think Gene Hackman's right at the end of the movie. He got orders. There's nothing that says his orders were not right. If Gene Hackman had launched, I don't think history remembers him 
as the madman that ruined the world. Well, I mean, history probably would. But people who actually knew what happened wouldn't. I, all right, cool. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. Right. Well, I agree of course, with, because, but that's I what agree I agree mean. with everything yeah. leading up to Gene. Sure. Like, Denzel is right where, uh, all right. The Navy you, says they're both right and both wrong. Do you know what I think is really fun, though, is that, like, it's all about the fact that that communication got cut off. Yeah. You don't have no. this battle. That is the most brilliant prop in the movie because it's an unfinished sentence that says, you, the audience member, you, fill it you in tell the me. way you want. And we're both two tissue paper soft liberals. Yep. And so for us, don't ever shoot a bullet. Don't ever fire a bomb. Nope. Don't fight. Let's figure it the fuck out. That's us, right? Yep. There's no reason for a person to die over whatever's happening in this movie. No death is the best, right? That's us. That's what we're writing into the movie. Some guy is like, hey, man, like imagine this, right? It's like, uh, you know, your policies are this and that. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. A guy you forgive came out and fucking slit my mom's throat. I'm not for forgiveness anymore. Yep. This movie doesn't say that's right or wrong. It says, here's a sentence, man. What's the world you imagine? And I love that the movie doesn't take a second to, like, wag its finger like, Gene, I will say this. There's a scene in the movie that rubbed me a bit the wrong way, which is at the end of the movie when Gene Hackman's like, I clearly almost started World War Three, right? Like, absolutely. Like, indisputably, you're wrong. He's like, well, I gave Denzel the recommends. But then when they're outside, he's like, yeah, I was wrong about horses. And he walks off with his dog like everything's cool. I'm like, bitch, you almost ended humankind. Could, could, uh, I was like, I, a I, little I, more bending of the knee would have been okay at nope, the end. Agreed, agreed, but disagreed because that wouldn't have been... <laughs> That wouldn't have been Gene Hackman's character. Like, true. like, like that guy. Doesn't was... that bother you though? No, no, because assholes are assholes. <laughs> there will be assholes to the end of the day. Do you think Donald Trump would look at you and be like, "I made the wrong call"? No, Donald Trump would stand there and be like, "Lipizzano stallions." I was totally, d- I was, I was incorrect about that. The like, fact that you brought up Donald Trump in the same breath as a Gene Hackman character is the saddest thing that's happened to me in months. <laughs> uh, here, here's where here's where part of it um gene hackman knows he was wrong right gene hackman placates in that moment okay so let me ask you this you think at the end of the movie when he makes the joke about the horses yeah he knows for a hundred percent fact he fucked up yes and if he had a chance to do it again yeah he would make a different choice no so what the fuck you didn't learn anything I, it's that's my point it no 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 just because somebody doesn't learn anything doesn't mean that the outcome of what happened doesn't resonate with them. I think that Gene Hackman would be yeah. happy with the fact of what he did based on what happened. But sure. he's also really fucking happy that <laughs> it didn't have to go that way. No. So I, 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 I think that I think that the, the reason why I love that moment so much was because they both had like they established that an hour and a half before it happened where it was like they were talking about horses yeah. right and all of a sudden they were talking about whether or not Lipersana stallions were from spain <laughs> or from portugal and they're not neither one of them is right because that's just from like serbia or whatever I is that the joke of them? they're both wrong <laughs> yeah they're both wrong slovenia they're both from slovenia but 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 denzel denzel is actually right in the fact that they were born black and turn white sure. like that's the, but 
Again, there's a lot of like racial undertones of this movie yeah. that we're we're not. But I like to. I like that it's not brought to that right because no. Denzel is not shown as I would listen it's, to your opinion, but, it, but you're a black guy. Gene, no, it, he has an absolute. You're talking about they, Gene. Yeah, Gene, Gene and yeah. him have a pure respect for each other. Yeah. What Gene Hackman does is he looks at me, he says, "I know you are an equal." Yep. But perhaps more educated. But I am also not a dipshit, and I have my own knowledge. So fuck it. You watch the scene where Gene Hackman is fucking punching him in the face, right? Punching him. Give me the fucking key. Give me the cone. Punching oh, him. No, no, and, and no. Denzel, I'll tell you what the line is. Denzel here in a puts the fucking lanyard on, and he's like, "This is my key. This is my cone." You act. It's the rare moment where you actually see the last generation star handing the actual fucking keys to the Hollywood Kingdom to him. And you're like, Denzel is so fucking strong in a moment where he's just letting this old dude pound on him. Please. He's so fucking strong and unassailable. Is there? All right, so I'm oh. going to ask this question oh. knowing full well my favorite line. Yeah. So I'm about to ask you. Sure. What's your favorite line of this movie? What what line resonates most with you? Because oh, it's not the one that re- I wrote down a line where I was like, did no, he it, fucking it, say that? So, so mine is, mine is Gene Hackman looking at Denzel during the end of the movie and he goes, I'm commander of this fucking ship. Give me the goddamn key. It was, it was, it was yeah. enough like, uh, uh, cuss words along with very strong, right. Scenarios <laughs> that make me feel like I would have shit myself if I didn't give him the key. But I love that line. Oh yeah, for sure. The moment, God, I can't find the line. There's a line when they were having their. Oh, like, I'll help you because I've seen this movie that, fifty times. Yeah, so there's the gathering of like the four people, and Viggo yeah. Mortensen's like, "I know this guy. I can't. He's not trying to fight." And they say something along the lines of like, "Well, I fucked a fat girl." Like, you know what I mean? They have like one of those like country euphemisms. I can't remember what it was, but the guy who was the oh, comment, putting on condom if if you're not ready to. Yeah, fuck. right. No, I get <laughs> you that. don't put a condom on unless you're ready to fuck. Because they're talking about that, Russia. Yeah, they're talking about I Russia. Heard that, I was like, it's like it's God like they're dope. fueling their missiles. You're not gonna put on condoms like you're ready. Fuck. Yeah, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, like oh mm. Jesus Christ. As the Italian chef gimmick I do on the show, I was like, as soon as I heard that line, I'm like, I wish I had written that. That is But to I've, me, the moment of the movie, the absolute moment of the movie to me is has no dialogue. And it is when Denzel has been betrayed, right? And Gandolfini bullies his way into the room. They get Gene Hackman out. And they come back in and take the shit. Uh, you, oh, uh, you give us a submarine. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he's been uh, betrayed. He's going to get the submarine. <laughs> and he gives the he gives the submarine over with, like, class, though, dude. He's still following rules where he's like, all right, just so you know, here's the status. Yeah, you're when about to shoot the, me. He says the fucking statuses. And he gives Gene Hackman back the shit. And he walks around and he looks at the one guy, right? He looks at the black guy with the uh, terrible hairline. He looks at Webs. And the guy breaks his view. He looks at the white guy with the, uh, the fucking Webs. serial killer glass. He breaks his yep. He walks up and stares at Webs. And Webs breaks his view. In that moment, and there's also a great moment in between where Gandolfini grabs his hand and he fucking bitch smacks him. And just never breaks his eyes with fucking Gene Hackman. When I saw that, I was like, dude, you are the fucking king of Movie Star Mountain. Like, that is a moment that so few actors can pull off. And that to me, that's my favorite scene in the movie, right? It has no dialogue, but you understand every single fucking thing. If you watch just that scene, 
You get every important lesson of Crimson Tide. Go watch Gandolfini again the next time you watch it because he is as as much as much as Denzel's dedicated to denying him, Gandolfini's like, oh, <laughs> I fucking got you, dude. Yeah. Like it's so good. Gandolfini and you know I Sopranos is a top five favorite show of mine. Gandolfini is easily amongst the most underappreciated actors we ever had. Like, oh, he was the Italian guy that did the Mamba. He is so fucking good in every movie I've ever seen. He was so fucking uh, uh, perfect. Yeah, and like, this movie is one of his my favorite roles of his. I can't I can't actually and it makes me so sad because I could do this ten years ago. But there's a moment where Gandolfini's on the bus and they're actually talking about famous naval movies right. and he's he's like, eh, nah, he's got he's got the little uh uh facial hair and he does a little uh, he does a little smile. <laughs> like like the the and, and, and like and he talks to the private where he's like, uh, thanks, uh, get down, you go, gonna give me 20 fat push-ups and blah, blah, blah. And the guy gets down and says, is he going to be able to go and fit on the, uh, summary? Yeah. I don't know. Like, Gandolfini, in my opinion. James Gandolfini calling other guys fat. fat. Oh. Classic power move. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at that guy. He's, uh, he's not very, uh, he's not very skinny. <laughs> so, I, uh, I love myself son Gandolfini, and I think Gandolfini is... Uh, the thing that I love about the combination is that this is a very much a Tony Scott, Quentin Tarantino hire, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've got a guy that's the enforcer. You've got a guy that's the influencer and you've got a guy that gives no shits based on the people that he's mm -hmm. doing things for. This is the movie to the antithesis where it's like mm -hmm. Gandolfini doesn't give a shit that George Zunga has not been in a movie that I right. have cared enough since because right. He is passionate about the fact that he does the right thing, but mm -hmm. God damn it, apparently that doesn't get your roles. Gandolfini's like, I'm going to do everything I, I would argue with you this. a hair, though, man. Yeah. I think Gandolfini has a truly relatable moment in the movie, right? Gandolfini, oh, in he, what way? Like, watch the way he deals with the privates, right? He's like, hey, man, go back to your... He doesn't fucking start beating oh, asses. so great. Like, he's mildly racist towards the guy at the start of the bus, right? But it could just be fat shaming, right? No, when... The, it's when not the, better, but it's, like, bad. When they're talking to Vigo, he goes, go back to your fucking station. Go back to your fucking station! Right, but why is he saying that? So he doesn't have to, like, fucking punish him or beat his ass? Right. Like, there is a... There is a playing within the rules, and you see it at the end when Gandolfini went... They they verify the message, right? And Gene Hackman's like, uh, you know, he has the calm. Mr. Hunter has the calm, and he walks. You see this fucking sadness of Gandalf. Like, I am the warrior who gets up to do the job that other people don't want to do. And when you realize that you're fucking wrong, like, for a guy like that to realize, man, I live my life by being absolutely sure in things. That's a real moment of fucking pathos for Gandolfini. And that's why I love so much about the ending of this movie. Yeah. Was that you see everybody yeah. cheer when they find out that they don't have to launch nuclear missiles. Yeah, bitch. But, man, you look at that scene and all of a sudden, like, Zen. Except for Gandolfini is just kind of like, oh, yeah, boy. Motherfucker. <laughs> that like, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have trusted him. Um. But that's uh, the thing, uh, though, right? What I love about this movie is it doesn't do the propaganda thing. No. There are people who join the military because they want to fucking fight people they think are bad. They want to blow stuff up. You know what I mean? And Gandolfini's one of those. He's like, I joined to fucking fight. 
And imagine a guy like that who's seen loss and done this and that. That is a hard life, man. Being a soldier is a difficult life. And this is the first time where he's like, it is important. The losses right. I've seen have mattered. And I will be in history fighting the great bad guy. And then to be like, oh, fuck, man. I might just be a Judas. That's an awful lot to bear. And Gandolfini does it masterfully. He's not, ah! They're dragging him to like a fucking prison cell. He's just sitting there in his own fucking... How how Reality. how great is it when they relieve Gene Hackman of duties, right? Because uh, it wasn't uh. this thing where it was placated on blowing stuff up. It was like we we're doing the right thing. We're doing what was actually told of us, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're leading you to your barracks. Yeah. Like that's what's so crazy is that you are taking a world issue that yeah. affects millions still does upon millions of people, yep. and you're compartmentalizing it. Within two people. Yeah. And we talked about this for Hunt for October's podcast, but it's like you have to understand that this happens. It happens yeah. on a regular basis where two people that you wouldn't think would give two shits mm-hmm. have to all of a sudden come to blows to make yeah. the right decision. Well, imagine the stupidity that is America. I know that'll probably get me some tweets. So fuck off i love america i'm just making a point america is incredibly stupid and um, we make terrible decisions yeah, on a regular basis i'm just saying man spoken <laughs> from a tree hugging liberal <laughs> if also you, as a liberal i'm if, here to say we could do better right but this is the thing imagine the stupidity sure. of the world we live in when real serious things are facing us right i lived in los angeles man and we would see people sleeping on the street you see all this fucking nonsense happening man we have wars and whatever. Imagine the stupidity of a country. It's like, you know what is worthwhile of our mental brainwaves for like a couple weeks? What fucking bathroom you go shit in? Like, that's the thing. What I love about this movie is it takes you back and it says, hey, man, you guys can do whatever you want that helps you pass the fucking... Like, debating on what fucking bathroom people use is so fucking stupid and childish in the grand scheme of, like, mankind, right? But it's the kind of thing we do because it's a low-stake argument that lets us fucking defend our team. This is a movie that said, hey, man, what if you really think you're a flag bearer for the left or the right, right? What if you had the whole fucking world on the line? That's what this movie says, right? Exactly. You're so committed to something, right? Like, it's easy for us to fight on Twitter. Where should uh, a person who's transitioned... From woman to man, take a shit. That's easy to fucking argue on Twitter. You can make your fucking snide jokes, whatever. Right. Imagine we put you in a fucking little tiny claustrophobic tube for 65 days. And people are pointing guns at you. And everything's going awry. And you might not have a radio, but that's your last chance to prove your case. What do you fucking do, man? Are you going to carry your fucking flag? Like, are you still carrying that flag? Or do you need a new flag, man? I think one of the biggest problems that faces us as a species is we're so fucking excited to be like, Oh, that's what a shitload of people think. I'm with them. You know what I mean? And it's just, this movie says, and this is what's fucking crazy terrifying about this movie is that, and this is the thing that they don't talk about a lot. Right. But so Denzel Washington wants to just float a buoy so that he can get the message and know they're doing right. That buoy almost gets them killed, which gives Gene Hackman cover to fucking assault his ass, right? So and try great. to banish him, right? Oh, such a great and moment. Then, so all he wants to do is just clarify, right? Close the buoy. Oh, but this is what I mean. So this is saying 
that no matter what we're doing, right? We can be arguing about where you take a dump, who should be able to marry who, when does life start, any of these fucking political things that we kick around all the fucking time, right? Like the hottest gun control, whatever. Somewhere out in the ocean, man, there's just a boat that has enough weaponry on it to murder us all. Yep. And you have to fucking pray that the two guys out there can come to some logical consensus. And the more and more you live in the world of 2020, I think that's really fucking scary. <laughs> and so that was actually a side note from uh, this movie yeah. was that there were two areas mm-hmm. that argued yeah. and it was the people that were actually the commanders of submarines compared to the people that were oh. their order givers. And just to, just to give everybody a heads up, the thing that I think is so funny about this movie is that every single nuclear sub commander felt like they had the call yeah. to to launch those nukes without somebody signing off on it. And just to give everybody a heads up, everyone that was outside of that goes, nope. <laughs> Jesus Christ, please. <laughs> well, I was like, as soon as you have James Gandolfini out of your boat, I'm like, your launching privileges should be ripped. <laughs> dude, dude, I'm just saying that like... Whenever I'm not trying think... to get all political on you guys, but no, I will it's tell not, you this. it's not political, but no, like I, I read a study once, right. That said, if you had taken all the money in world war two, right. That was spent on tanks, ammunition, guns, transportation for troops, whatever you could have cured world hunger at the time, 20 times plus over, right. Something like that, right. Like the amount of money we spent on bullets to kill each other, you could have fed the whole fucking world for like a hundred years. And this is what the movie does so well is, I think it's so easy to take pot shots at guys that are like, I served and my grandfather served and my kids served, so you should respect soldiers. That is a sad group of people that I think we often make jokes about unfairly, which is like, oh, those fucking, you know, right wing hick whatever's, right? Those are people that are putting it on the fucking line in a way that we're not. And so, yeah, man, I think they do fucking deserve respect. And this movie does a great job of, hey, there are those of you guys who have served forever and you deserve respect and what, you know, you're soldiers, right? You're American soldiers. You're protecting us on the front line. And there are those of you, like guys like us, right? Liberals who think we should never have a gun, ex- you know, all guns should be destroyed to make more fucking uh, Masters of the Universe toys, whatever we would fucking say. I think that's probably the best use for them. Mm-hmm. But what this movie never does is says one of you is wrong. It just says, hey, man, being a human is fucking complicated. And please don't fucking blow each other out of existence. I'm not trying to ask for much. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. just let's not fucking murder each other. Man. So my question to you is, yeah. what was your favorite takeaway from this movie, though? Because you liked this more than Red I, Hunt for October. Red Hunt for Red October was a bit too much the movie I was afraid it was, right? Okay. Whereas, like, a little too slow and a little too my uncle's favorite thing. Like, I don't give a fuck about the ins and outs of how the Navy works, right? This movie, to me, was a perfect, high-tension morality tale between two of the greatest actors who have ever lived. Right. And it delivered on every fucking metric I could ever imagine for a movie. Right? Crimson Tide, to me, is among the greatest films I've ever seen. Unreservedly, right? Oh. Maybe not a top ten, but, like, it is among the greatest. You can make films as good as Crimson Tide. You can't make a lot that are better. I'm so happy. You know what I mean? Like, I fucking... Crimson Tide, fucking, <laughs> it's it's a fucking perfect, almost perfect movie to me. It's no Beethoven, but you know what I mean, right? 
it's no, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, you know, my I perfect guess. movie theorem. It's no Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's mathematics. I'm not hating on Crimson Tide. It's mathematics. But yeah, what I love about I love any movie that just says, "Hey, man," because to me, any movie that's not somewhat examining what it is to be alive as a human is a waste of time. Well, for, right, for, and this movie just says it's all fucking complicated, and whatever you think. You should spend more time being introspective. That's what I most appreciate in this movie. For the sake of making sure that we're not running over too much, I have I don't give to. A fuck. I have to. <laughs> Great. No. We can I'll, talk for four hours if you want. If we talk as much as I've I've watched this movie, we'll be here until July. <laughs> uh, but my question to you is that if you had to, so imagine today. Okay, here we go. Yeah. You had to go and recast Gene Hackman and Denzel. Who are you recasting Ooh, to? Yeah. All right. If I had to re, Ooh, man. All right. Let me hear yours. I like to hear yours first because you're catching me off guard, right? You're not giving me any pre-notice. So when you think Kevin's list is better, he's thought of this. All right. If you're recasting Denzel, who are you casting? Michael B. Jordan. Fucking awesome choice, dude. Is there anything Michael B. Jordan is not awesome at? No. Yeah, he's the no. guy that my wife wishes she was banging and the guy that I would gladly let bang my wife. Like, he is a fucking perfect human being to me. It's like him and Lady Gaga are like the two perfect humans. I love Michael B. Jordan. That's a great choice. Thank you. Holy shit, that's good. All right. If I was casting... Fuck, I'm going to butcher his name, man. I'm so sad. Uh, God damn it. What's the name? Lakeith... Oh, I gotta put you the name. Okay, do you know the actor who was in Get Out and uh one of my favorite my phone just I can't look up. One of my favorite movies of the last couple years was uh God, what is it? The telemarketer movie. Alright, so he was in Get Out, right? He was the actor who had the Lake Heath Strayfield Stayfield? Yeah. He had the little fucking hat on. He had gotten uh bought by a rich white lady. He was like, hey, ha ha. He take his picture, he's like, get out! He was in a movie. Oh, Sorry to bother you. Have you seen this movie? Sorry to bother you. It's one of the best movies of last year. It's the fact that that movie just kind of came and went is mind blowing. It's it, one it, of the best movies since the year two thousand. Stanfield, Lakeith Stanfield. That would be my Denzel. Ooh. He's so he's so fucking good, and I would watch that guy yeah, do boy. any role ever. Yeah, boy. Okay, so, so the, good. The, the other the yeah. other the other uh, part. So Gene Hackman's mm. would be Gary Oldman. Ooh, damn, that's fucking good. That's hardcore. All right, I have to assume Daniel Day-Lewis would not be interested. No, no, he's not interested in shit. Not a submarine movie. Let me throw you a curveball that might work. Is it, is it Peter Dinklage? No, I already pulled that trick you. <laughs> it's Matthew McConaughey. Ooh. I think that could work. I could, that could all right, definitely all right. work. He's so fucking wrong. smooth, you're like, I could see the warmongers piling in behind him. Tell me a movie where he's played the ultimate badass. So the 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 asshole, the um guy that fucked everybody over. You could argue mud, right? That it was kind of a very small narcissistic thing to steal a guy's wife. The reason um, the reason why I'm saying Gary Oldman is because literally yeah. from the professional, you're like fuck <laughs> right. that guy, and then you're like he went on to Winston Churchill, so he's plenty accustomed to roles where he just ends yep. the world, yep. right? <laughs> Not that Winston Churchill in the world. Uh, so, I don't want so, you history nuts coming at me either. My, my my number two would be Robert Downey Jr. I saw Doolittle, man. I'm out. Anything I'm that's not, not Iron Man, I'm out. No, I'm just kidding. I've never <laughs> seen Doolittle. Jamie Foxx. As Denzel? 
as Gene Hackman. Dude, I'm telling you. That might be really good. That'd be fun. That might be really good. Or, I got it. Michael, Sh- uh, what's his name? Michael Shannon, who is in Shape of Water. Michael Shannon can be in every movie. He, Yeah, you ever. could cast him in any role oh, ever. Michael- and you will a million percent have my money. <laughs> Griffey, Michael Shannon as Gene Hackman is the best up here. Boom. Here's the question, That though. is my if favorite. If Michael Shannon's decision. like, guys, you have to help me in the world, would you be like, I saw this coming. I saw your face and I saw this. Right? Does he have that like every madness? Or like, let's not in the... Dude, we fucked up. It's Brian Cranston. Brian oh, Cranston is the next Gene Hackman. The fact that Brian Cranston is not in every movie that involves an older right. white guy to make hard decisions and be yeah. vocal about him is yeah. crazy. Breaking Bad. Him and gave Steve us- Carell are the guys we should be looking to now. Ugh. Those Ugh. are your Gene Hackmans. Fuck. Because they're both so fucking menacing, but yeah, can uh, also be good enough that you're like, I don't um, follow that guy. Imagine man. Brian Cranston going. I'm commander of the sh- goddamn yeah. ship. Give me the goddamn key. Yeah. Like that. He yeah. Brian Cranston pulled that off. Brian Cranston could pull that fucking oh, off, dude. I love that. Yeah. No, for sure. Now that Kevin Spacey's gone, there's like a huge fucking crater, right? That a guy like Brian Cranston should fill. And Phil Brian Seymour Cranston Hoffman. should and take. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's what I mean, though. Yeah. There are room for the, the Cranstons and the Corrells. To take those roles that used to just be like guaranteed locks, you so, know what I mean? Uh, uh, I love those answers. Yeah, um, man. Where could Crimson Tide have been better, in your opinion? Honestly, if you ask my opinion, I don't think you can make it much better than okay. this. Like if if you had to press me, not honestly if. This is one of those movies you're like, I don't know that I have an easy scene where I'm like, that could be better. If you if if I really got pressed, I'd say I don't need any other subs. I just want to keep it. I never, ever, ever want to see the outside of that submarine. Keep everything close up, close up, close. Like by the end of the film, I want the fucking camera in Gene Hackman's nostril. Keep it fucking close. Never because the battle with the other sub means nothing to anyone. Right. It does give an excuse for why Gene Hackman can take the ship back. So I understand that. But I don't, I don't need to ever see that. Don't ever cut outside of the submarine. That's the only minor critique I would have. But they made one of the best movies ever. So I feel ashamed critiquing it. Well, <laughs> let me let, let me throw this out there. All right. uh, I know we have to wrap up. but uh, You keep every- saying that. We don't. <laughs> for everyone that's listening, number one, uh, I have to make this really prevalent Hans Zimmer is my is is a top two to three composer yeah. John Williams obviously is number he one he can't for me. fucking touch John Williams but is he but not Han, number two Hans Zimmer has to be number two he's Hans Zimmer two. won a Grammy for the score it's a great score it's, it's unbelievable I would listen to this before I had to go into my practice <laughs> for two days for football <laughs> Where I definitely got beat up. I love the idea that a middle school lineman's like, how am I going to make the team? Crimson Tide score! Hell yeah, dude. I'm sorry. I love this score so much. So I'm just trying to say Hans Zimmer needs to get credit because he should. He fucking should. And this movie made me appreciate all the movies that he's done. The only other guy in the class, right? It's Williams, Hans Zimmer, and James Horner. Yeah. Horner, yeah. Horner's right there. Yeah. Horner's right there. That's it. Um, That's the three. 
you can make a point for um uh, I'm not gonna get in composers, but yes, that yeah. that, that that that's your class. I'm bad with names, so fuck them. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Hackman's speech makes you want to run through a wall at the very fuck. beginning. Yes, it does. When, when he talks about Alabama, sir, I need a George Zunga to absolutely repeat every last line of yeah. what I just said. Because absolutely, you know what's funny though? Is. I thought about this movie. You know what I love about this movie too is do you remember the movie The Last Castle? Yeah, I, th- one of my Gandolfini favorite... versus Redford. Oh, are you telling me movies? that in that movie oh, Gandolfini so did not just do Gene Hackman from Crimson Tide? Yeah, it's the exact same role, and it's um, awesome. So there's a moment in this movie that made me think of Josh Griffey, and that's where um, <laughs> they were all at their table together. Yeah, and they were talking about the legitimacy of nuclear war and uh gene hackman goes sure drop that fucker twice i was like like, that is such a griffy fucking answer in that moment that that is a griffy answer if it's anything other than violence i am so fucking it's weird because i think because i spent so many years as like a bar bouncer and like getting in fights at bars and shit they're like i am so anti-violence in my old age it is absurd so the, <laughs> this bled into the fact that I believe that Hackman was right with how he ran his. Um, you cannot say up. other than the very ending that tells you he his his guess was less right than Denzel's. No. That's a straight 50 50. He yeah. did nothing wrong in this entire movie. A very big part of my notes was apparently we can't have any submarine movies against anyone other than Russia because no one owes a fucking submarine. <laughs> yeah. We, Who yeah. else has submarine? Britain? <laughs> You're like Britain's not a fucking struggle. We can't a be British, a- Mo- a, like a British Monty Python movie. No one wants to watch that. <laughs> Budapest has just launched their one submarine. <laughs> There's one sub. Granted, they have to pedal it with the same bikes you do it, like Orange Theory. So, 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 I just want all of our listeners to understand: it's gonna be a fucking minute since you yeah. have another submarine movie. <laughs> Um, but, it's it's U.S. versus James Cameron. That's the second biggest fucking name. Here. You're not gonna get a Canadian submarine that's coming around and being like, "Oh, we're covering Nova Scotia, and you gotta be fucking ready for us, man." Um, uh, and, and just just to round this out, the last thing that I wanted to mention was Gene Hackman delivers mm-hmm. lines better than ninety nine percent of the actors of all time who've ever this, lived. And there's this moment. Yeah. Where he 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 and Denzel are arguing, and he goes, "I'm commander of this fucking ship. Give me the goddamn key." In the in the way that it resonates, yeah. fuck goes it, it fucking echoes through eternity. Yeah. It's 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 one of my favorite lines, and I love how he delivers it. And and again, I'm on Denzel's side, so I love how he just stays stagnant in that moment. But like Gene Hackman saying. I'm commander of this fucking ship. Give me the goddamn key was so great. How about the point where he goes, so shut the fuck up on the comm and everyone's like, (gasps) but no, this is this movie more than any I've seen in years made me so fucking miss Gene Hackman. I watched this movie and I was like, that guy was so fucking good for so fucking long in so many fucking movies. Yeah. And I think we all, like, we just grew up in an era where we were lucky enough, like, there's a glut of Gene Hackman. Like, we'll just be fine. And even late-stage Hackman, right? Like, Tenenbaums. 
the fact that that guy's not doing movies anymore. I was like, that is truly a loss for the cinematic audiences, right? Right. And I'm glad we got Denzel because I think he's inarguably the best actor of his generation. He's inarguably one of the top ten greatest actors we've ever had. There's something about Denzel where you're like, he is the cooler than every person who's ever lived movie star who kind of plays Denzel. Gene Hackman was this fucking unbelievable chameleon of I can play the best every man in any small town. Right? Yep. You know the guy I'm talking about? Like, I'm the best guy in this fucking yep. town. Give me Hoosiers. Right. I can coach a basketball team. Yeah. And then give me submarine. Yeah. Guy, uh, give me give me the admiral of the submarine that makes uh, the decision whether or not the <laughs> world lives and dies. To and the tenant bombs, to the, the conversation, to the French connect. Uh, but he, I'll, I'll, Popeye the, Doyle, you're like, oh, God. The common thread yeah. is that he is the important cog that makes the decision. And he's whether the guy or not who never it, it made it through unscathed. He was yeah. never the guy that's like, Everything's good for me, so I'm here to fight. He always was nicked up, beat up, but he still, when he's on the screen, you're like, that's the fucking guy I want to be. And that is the <sighs> pure fucking unadulterated black magic that fucking is Gene Hackman. So and good. watching him literally hand the lanyard and then hand the con to Denzel like I was the fucking man. And that shit's not deniable. And I'm dropping my fucking massive old man nuts in this movie. But you're hanging with me, kid. You're the next guy. I mean, you could argue Tom Hanks all day, but to say that there's a better movie star in that, maybe Tom Cruise. It's like Tom Cruise and Denzel neck and neck. But I would say Denzel did more better than Tom Cruise. And watching him literally hand the lanyard and the con over to Denzel, that's an extra layer of fun for movie lovers. So, guys, that's it for Crimson Tide, man. I hope you loved it as much as me. Again, I am fucking... Truly a shame that it took me this long to see what is now and arguably one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. So, Kevin, I want to thank you very much for bringing us Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide, man. I love doing double feet. I'm sorry I kept you so long and uh, made you drink all these drinks with me. I, well, I'm getting Uber, so you're fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> my, car, my car's at your house. <laughs> I have a road trip tomorrow, so I'm sure this will all be fine. Uh, guys, as always. If you love the show, please take a second. Leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts app. That helps us out enormously. Find us on all your social medias. Please tell us the movies that you would like to hear us talk about because those are the movies we want to talk about, man. It means the world to us that you guys are invested in the show. Also, you can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. So you can see our faces along with hearing our so sensual voices. Uh, Kevin, man, I can't thank you enough for our paradope double feature. Uh, for the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Kevin Weinman. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Down